Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. Hi, everyone. Today, we are talking about troop communication and specifically how to effectively communicate with parents. If you've followed along with this general series, then you know that we have been working on year planning. And by that, I mean how to be as prepared as possible by getting a jump start on next year and working out meeting plans, event plans, supply lists, budgeting, managing your finances in general, and so on and so forth. Communication is, to me, the last piece of this puzzle, even though this episode is relevant, even if this is the first one you've ever listened to. You definitely don't need to have done the rest of the steps to still communicate effectively with parents and guardians, but I'm including it as part of the year plan series because I do think the two go hand in hand as far as the better planned out you are and especially the further out in advance, the more notice you can give parents and the more reminders and so on that you have time to do because the details are already flushed out. Also, if you're planning your year in advance, then some of the things you'll want to plan out are chaperones and carpools and RSVPs and that kind of stuff. So communication is a huge part of that. But even if you aren't planning the whole year in advance, you still need to communicate with parents and guardians. Also, I try really hard not to be so specific as to say just parents because we do have a lot of girls in unconventional households. And I talked a bit about that in the State of Girls episode, so go check that out if you haven't already. But basically, fewer and fewer girls are being raised in what we think of as traditional two-parent households. In fact, in many areas, it's less than 50% of girls that are being raised in two-parent households. So many girls are being raised by single parents, step-parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, foster parents, and so on. Even in areas that are considered well-to-do or whatever, it's everywhere. And I know some of the girls in my troop are not being raised in two-parent households. So I just try to make an effort, even with my own troop, to just say families or guardians. But oftentimes on this podcast, I feel like I slip and just say parents. So just know, if you're listening to this, I am in no way trying to be exclusive. And actually, I think it's really important to be mindful of this. And even if I'm just referring to non-traditional parents as parents, look, I'm a stepmom. My only children are stepchildren. But when people talk about parenting, I still relate or listen or choose to include myself. So, yes, any kind of parent or guardian is what I mean. So hopefully that makes sense. All right. Let's just start with communication basics, like what methods are we using to communicate with families? If you post that question in a forum or a Girl Scout Facebook group or something like that, you're going to hear the same responses every single time. So let's talk about some different apps that are out there to start with. So first, let's talk about the Remind app. Now, this is a good one because lots of schools already use Remind, so it's something that your parents might be familiar with. Plus, you can go ahead and enter the parent or guardian information for every girl so you can get the ball moving on getting them enrolled in it. There's a couple of ways they can get set up. They can download the app and get a profile set up, but if they're already using it for their kid's school, then they probably already did that part, and that's what I like the most about Remind, is that it's really convenient for areas that are already trying to get parents on it. But even if they don't want to set up and download the app, I think from what I've been reading about it, they can just text a specific code to opt in to reminder messages, basically. If people download the app and set up a profile, they can message you directly on there. You can send reminders to anyone who's opted in, and you can even see read receipts. You can translate messages, so if you have parents or guardians that speak another language, like Spanish at home, you can have your messages translated to Spanish, and if they message you, you can translate them back to English, or, of course, other languages. You can send attachments to and so on. So that's Remind. But with any app, you have to get parents to use it. So that's the downside. The good thing with Remind is that many parents already have it. So it's easy for them to enroll in just your specific, like, quote unquote, class. And also, once they're enrolled, it's just another method of getting notifications. But it's fairly limited as far as, like, building an actual community and is really meant specifically for communicating and reminding. The next one you will hear a lot about is Band. Band has like unlimited functionality, which is why so many people love it. 
polls, messaging, calendars, attachments, photos, sharing your location, announcements, alerts, a group message board where members can all post to, and so on. Once again, you can see read receipts, so you can see who's actually seen your messages, and also you can get feedback like collecting shirt sizes or RSVPs. You can assign to-do lists, you can schedule posts and announcements and stuff in advance. So if you're planning ahead, you can go ahead and schedule a bunch of communication within band ahead of time. So this basically sounds like the holy grail, right? But here's the downside. People have to download it and actually set it up and check it and use it. So, I mean, you're going to get some participation for sure, but if you have a larger group, especially, you are probably not going to get 100% participation. Even if somehow you get lucky enough to get 100% of your families signed up, they are not all going to check it consistently. This might work well as an option, but you're probably going to need to follow up with some people. The best thing is that because there's read receipts, you'll know exactly who you need to follow up with. But yeah, anytime you have to ask people to take extra steps or whatever, you are just not going to get 100% follow through. And of course, there's Facebook. So there's two ways to engage on Facebook. One is by creating a troop page, and the other is by creating a troop group. Now, a page is public facing, so I'm not saying not to do it. I'm just saying the information you can share on a page is going to be super limited because you don't want to post photos, you don't want to tag locations, you don't want to make calendar events that are public because you don't want random strangers on the internet to have pictures of your girls and know exactly where and when you meet. You know what I mean? Even if you have photo releases for each girl, there's a way to share it publicly that's appropriate and it's not going to be the most effective means for communicating with parents. So that's going to be something totally different if you choose to do a troop page. Something public facing like that could be really good for spreading the word about community service or a money earning project or high awards or take action projects or whatever, but it's communicating with the public and not communicating specifically with parents and guardians, you know? Okay, so groups are more appropriate for this on Facebook, and there's three kinds of groups. You can have a public group, but then anyone can find the group on Facebook. They can see everything that's posted in there, including all photos and events, and they can see all the members and everything. And anyone can just hit the join button to be part of it and to get notifications. So this is not what you want for troop communications. You can do a private group, and this way people can search it and find it, but they can only see the cover photo, no other photos, and they cannot see the posts or the members. They can only see the admins. They can hit the join button, but it's going to send a request to the admins, so like you, and maybe your co-leaders if you set them up as admins or moderators. <laughs> so anyways, anybody who hits request to join they have to get approved in order to see anything. And then there's also secret groups. These groups are not even searchable, so no one can find it who isn't already in it. And to join, you have to be personally invited. So the thing is, you can only invite people who are already your friends on Facebook. So unless you're Facebook friends with all the parents and guardians in your troop, this is going to be a little more complicated, even though it's the best thing for extra security and privacy. To give you an idea, I use a private Facebook group. That's the one people can search for and find, or you can even link directly to it and send it in a text message or an email asking your parents or guardians to join. And they'll be able to hit the join button to submit a request, and then I get to review the request and make sure it's a person who's actually part of the troop. Now, for me, I don't care who joins as long as they're part of the troop families, so like parents, grandparents, family members, etc. But one thing you do have to be mindful of is custody issues. So like if there's a parent who has zero custody and no access to their child's activity, they cannot be accepted. And honestly, neither can any family on that side. Or if you have kids in foster care, then their bio parents probably cannot be privy to that information either. So if there's someone you don't know, you can message the parent or guardian contact that you do have, who is the one who signed the kid up for Girl Scouts in the first place, and check with them about whether that person is okay to admit. But on Facebook, you can share photos, videos, documents, calendar invites, and so on. You can even schedule posts for later. So I can sit here and schedule reminders for like the next six months of meetings and activities when I'm doing my year plan. 
and I can set up all my events on the calendar and so on. People are generally on Facebook all day, every day, so they're going to get in-app notifications unless they turn them off, and they'll have access to everything. So I really like sharing to Facebook. But some people refuse to join Facebook, and they would have to have a profile in order to join the group. So if you have someone who is not on Facebook, they're probably not going to want to sign up just for the sake of seeing troop communications. So even though I do use this because I love sharing pictures and videos and calendar invites this way, I cannot rely on this as the only way to communicate with families in my troop. Another one you will hear a lot about if you ask around is Shutterfly. The point of Shutterfly is to upload photos and videos. So that was the original point of Shutterfly share sites is that you can create a totally free site to upload photos and videos to and then share it exclusively with only people you want to have access to it. However, because people use this for extracurriculars and sports teams and youth groups and obviously like Girl Scouts and so on, they also added other functionality like messaging and updates, calendars, polls, team rosters, forums, and more. So more of the same, but it doesn't require people to set up any kind of an account. Awesome, right? Except people have to actively check Shutterfly because if you don't have to set up an account, you can't set up notifications, right? That's the whole point of signing up for something is that you get notified. So if you don't have to set up your own contact info, they can't send you reminders. It's a double-edged sword, really. You're either asking people to sign up for stuff, which is an extra step that not everyone will do, or you're not requiring sign up, but then people have to actively remember to check something on their own. Also, I'm sure it's gotten more mobile friendly over the years, but this was also really intended to be done on a computer, so it's less convenient in that sense as well. You might be catching on to this already, but my biggest point here is you can't rely on only one method of communication, period. I've heard a lot of Girl Scout volunteers say they are only willing to communicate one way. They only want to maintain one thing because that's the other thing, any of those apps. Not only are you asking parents to take extra steps, but it's just another thing you have to maintain and keep up. And here's the thing. I'm not judging those of you who only want to do one method of communication. I get it. We all have limited capacity. Communication is not everybody's strong suit, and we are volunteering to do this, so we don't want to take on a million more things. However, if you are also frustrated by the fact that parents don't respond to you, they don't show up to things, you have low RSVP rates or low follow through, people ask you a thousand questions that you've already answered and so on, then you really need to consider expanding your communication plan or get help with it. You don't have to do everything yourself. I personally do pretty much all the communication for the troop myself, for my troop. When co-leaders have planned events or been in charge of specific things, I have to be honest, the communication has always been less than ideal. The reality is that people need to hear things seven times for the information to sink in. So even if you feel like you are being super repetitive or whatever, that is just the scientific truth behind it. So the more methods of communication you have and you're hitting people from all sides, the more effective it's going to be that the info will sink in. And my advice, Reach people where they already are. I love the idea of band. I think the functionality sounds amazing, but I just know that, honestly, probably half of my families will never download it and set it up. And if they do, they won't consistently check it. They're savvy enough to do it. It's not a technological access thing in my case, but they are also savvy enough to turn off notifications because they find them annoying or distracting or whatever. There's a hundred reasons why people won't do it. They don't have storage on their phone. They don't have a smartphone. They don't know how to use their smartphone. They don't know their Apple ID and passwords. They can't download apps. They don't know how to use the apps once they're downloaded. It feels overwhelming. It feels inconvenient and so on. Generally, people will also just be stubborn that they don't want to have to download something. I'm not saying that you shouldn't use Band. If you love it, you should use it. Just also plan to use additional ways to communicate, especially if you have a medium to large group. Remind is good, especially if your families already have it. If they're already using it, it's familiar, it's comfortable to them, but you're still going to have people who refuse to opt in or, you know, don't know how and can't or won't learn. So you'll still have to do something in addition in order to be really, truly effective. Shutterfly to me just doesn't work unless you're sending an email every time you update it because people just aren't going to check it regularly on their own. 
I like the idea of not everyone being on Facebook. It eliminates that obstacle, but I don't want to have to maintain both. And I personally am already on Facebook every day. That's easier for me and I'm more comfortable with that, but it's just not enough on its own. So what about email? People are really good at ignoring their email, but it's so good to be able to send attachments and long form information. I do have long-winded emails often, but I try to section them off, bold things, use color sparingly but effectively. Sometimes I put in like header photos or divider lines or whatever to make it as easy as possible to find what you need. I also have a parent who literally prints all of my emails and keeps them in a binder for reference. That is a true story. So I try to make them easy to reference then. I'm not the printout and keep in a binder type personally, but I do archive anything that's important in my Gmail inbox so that I can search for it later. So I try to make all my emails search friendly with keywords and headings and easy subject lines. But a long-winded email is going to lose effectiveness too. They say that the ideal length email is eight words. Eight words? You've listened to this podcast long enough to know, even if this is your first ever episode, if you're still listening to this by this point, that I am not an eight word limitation kind of woman. So I struggle with short emails. I do long emails for reference and I do short Facebook posts and I do text messages as needed. So, okay, let's talk texting and calling for a minute. Texting is cool because it's direct. If I need a straight answer from someone about something, texting them is literally the easiest way to ensure I get a response and I know it will get seen, at least with my particular group of parents and guardians. People are going to respond to a text message. So if I say, hey, is Lucy coming on Saturday? They will answer one way or the other. If I email that or post it on Facebook or send it in a private message, it is a lot easier to ignore. But how annoying is it to have to individually text everyone about everything all the time? Super annoying, especially if you have a bigger group. But you know what people especially love to ignore? Emails or posts that say generally, who's coming on Saturday? Or is anyone coming on Saturday? And so on. Very, very few people will respond, even if the answer is yes, because it's not a direct question. You're going to have the best results to ask specific people directly about themselves. So I do send an email like RSVP by this date that goes to everyone. And some people do reply to that email and you can leave it at that. Like if you didn't respond, you're out of luck. But guess who else is out of luck? You are as the planner and the leader because fewer people are going to come and participate. So if you ask people directly to come, hey, is Lucy coming on Saturday? then they're more likely to come and participate. And this is honestly good advice for everything. Work, your family, your friends, parents and guardians, your girls, and so on. Don't just say, who wants to clean up? Or time to clean up. But instead, specifically say, Lucy, Jane, Susie, please stack up the chairs. Anne, Maria, Katie, please throw away the trash, and so on. Honestly, way better results. And this is by the way, a good tip for getting people to volunteer for things as well. You can start out with a general ask if you want, but specifically reach out to people that you want to work with and think are good fits. Mrs. So-and-so, are you available to drive on Saturday for carpool? We're meeting at the park at 10 a.m. And um, by the way, how many girls can you take? And she is most likely going to say yes because people hate saying no. She'll say no if she truly can't do it or if she really doesn't want to or if she's been to therapy and her therapist taught her how to be better at saying no. But most people hate saying no. That is probably even how many of you listening to this became troop leaders to begin with because you hate saying no and someone asked you directly. I'm just saying. But gross. Who wants to sit there and text out everything individually for every single reminder, especially seven times if people need to hear something seven times for it to sink in? Literally no one has time for that. We would be spending our entire year texting. So how do you schedule texts? Um, for one, the Remind app is a good option here, but also you might be able to find paid services and stuff that you can schedule out texts to send. And if you know of some, tell me, because I've been looking for a good one and I just haven't really had any luck just yet. Okay, what about group texts? Can you just send it to everyone you haven't heard from and be like, okay, I need to know if your girl's coming tomorrow? The short answer is yes, of course you can. But if the first person who replies says, unfortunately, no, and then she has to get notifications for 12 other text responses as everyone else replies, she's going to be annoyed. 
Plus, people are more likely to ignore group messages for all the same reasons we already discussed. Plus, plus, then the next time Lucy's mom needs to confirm if there's a troop meeting tomorrow or where a certain patch goes, she's going to just find her most recent conversation with you in her inbox, and she's going to put it in the group text. And let's be honest, no one likes group texts that just give you 80,000 notifications every day that aren't even relevant to you. So, don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-group text all the time. A good time to use a group text is like, when we're taking a day trip with a lot of travel or gone for a weekend or an overnight, I'll send a group text to all the parents who aren't chaperoning or part of the carpool or whatever and say, arrived at camp safely, or we're 40 minutes from the location, but I will likely lose service. We'll text you when we're on our way back. If I'm going to a place where we actually might have good consistent service, I might send a full group photo every now and again, just like as a way of subtly saying, everyone's safe, happy, no problem, don't worry, don't call me, don't call your girl, etc. Of course, I don't actually directly say don't call me, but I just subtly imply that there's no need because here are consistent updates. Depending on your phone, you may have the ability to toggle group texts on or off. If you turn group texts off and you reply to a group text, it's going to go to everyone individually. So you may have been part of group texts before where someone replied, but it showed up as an individual response to you instead of in the same conversation chat window. That means they don't have group texts turned on or their phone. Maybe it's like a really old smart non-smartphone that doesn't even allow group texts. But if you have the ability to turn group texts off on your phone, then you can send something as a group text and it will just go to everyone individually. So you just need to word it generically enough that it's gonna apply to everyone, but specifically enough that they will never know you mass texted them. So there's a cool trick. And here's another cool trick, a service called Slidial. So this is a service that allows you to leave voicemails for people without actually calling them. So it's like a no ring voicemail or something. You can use the free version where you just have to listen to ads or whatever, and then you can only call one person at a time and leave them a voicemail. But you can leave the voicemail without actually the risk of talking to them. <laughs> Genius. Or for a nominal fee, either monthly or annually, you can skip the advertisements. Or a third option, you can pay 10 cents per delivery and you can do group slide aisle where you record a message for up to 10 people at the same time. So if you have 10 families or less, that's an amazing opportunity because you can record a voicemail for 10 of them at the exact same time. Even if you had 20 families, you only have to do it twice and all 20 people are gonna receive a notification that they have a voicemail and it will be from you. It saves so much time. Slidial also has a sister company called Slide Broadcast. This is slightly more expensive, but it's awesome because you can pre-record the message and then send the recording out. You could record a bunch of voicemail recordings ahead of time and then use their tools to schedule them out. You can create contact lists. So like if you have multi-level, maybe you have a full troop list, a brownie specific list, a junior specific list, and so on. If you're on your service team or something, then you can also set up a service team list and a full service unit list and leave voicemails for everyone. Imagine if you were, let's say, in charge of financials for your service unit or community, and you had to remind everyone to turn in their end of year financial reports. You could slide broadcast a pre-recorded message to the entire list of leaders in your service unit or community, and they're all going to get a voicemail from you reminding them that it's time to do their financials. And it would only take you the amount of time of recording one message and the seconds that it would take you to hit send through the website rather than calling every single one of those people individually, risking that they might answer and you actually have to talk to them. This is seriously genius. There's also another app that I love that I wanna share that I use in conjunction with Gmail called Boomerang. Now this is slightly less necessary now for Girl Scouts anyway, because Gmail now has a tool built right into it natively called Send Later, which works the same way as part of Boomerang, but Boomerang offer offers also a few extra features. So basically both of these um, tools are specific to Gmail. So if you're using Yahoo or some other mail service, you're gonna have to see what's available for those email services. But for Gmail, here's two great tips. 
Also, use Gmail anyway, because then you get access to Google Drive and Google Docs and Google Calendar, and those are all amazing and super helpful. Anyway, Send Later in Gmail now allows you to schedule email messages. As far as I can tell, you can schedule them months in advance, and it is unlimited. This is literally life-changing. Also, Boomerang has a free version and a very inexpensive paid version that will allow you to schedule Gmail emails in advance, schedule recurring emails that go out daily or weekly or monthly and so on. And also you can have an email boomeranged back to you to remind you of something. So like you can set it like boomerang that's back to me in seven days if the recipient doesn't respond. And that way, if they do respond, you see it and of course can move forward. But if they don't respond, Gmail will basically remind you by putting it back in your own inbox as a way to remind you like, hey, you need to take further action on this. So I particularly used Boomerang before Gmail just rolled out their send later feature, which is super new. I don't even know if it's on all accounts yet or if it's just being slowly and quietly rolled out. But now I primarily use the native send later for Girl Scouts. I do use Slide Dial, Slide Broadcast, and Boomerang for work though, and it is seriously epic. I mean, you have to check them out. And then, of course, there's face-to-face -face communication. And I'm really famous for thinking, I'm just going to get confirmations on RSVPs for this event at the meeting this week. And then the meeting is so crazy, I forget to ask people. So this is a great thing to delegate. If you have parent helpers or co-leaders at your meetings, put someone else in charge of this at pickup and or drop-off. They can literally stand at the door or whatever. And as they see parents, ask the question and mark them off on a list. You can also ask the girls themselves. Sometimes they know the answer. Oh no, I can't come Saturday because I have a soccer tournament. Or yeah, I think I'm coming. Or I have no idea. <laughs> All right, so what do I do to communicate effectively? Because this has just kind of been tips. So let's talk comprehensive strategy. First of all, I do parent and guardian meetings. I used to do parent meetings right before cookies, and that was pretty much it, but my parents actually specifically requested that we don't do that anymore, and instead do a beginning and end of year thing. So now I do that, and only do a parents meeting for new parents for cookies, you know, for parents or guardians of girls who have never sold before. Okay, but let's start at the beginning of the year. So at the beginning of the year parents meeting, I go over our plans for the year. Are we accepting new girls? If so, who knows girls who wanna join? What stuff are we working on or focused on this year, etc.? We give them a full list and a physical handout of all the troop meeting dates for the year. We do give them a list of topics for each meeting online, but we don't necessarily print that out because sometimes we have to change things up. But I do like to give them an idea for reference so that they can check if a girl is going to miss or if they just wanna keep up with what the troop is doing. Anyways, meeting dates, times, locations for the whole year on a physical handout. Um, also event and activity, dates, times, locations for the whole year. We also do permission slips at this meeting. I don't know what your council requires, but we do a health history form every single year in my troop because things change. Also, we do parent registration or re-registration right there on the spot for parents who want to be involved in anything, any carpool, cookie booth, chaperoning, etc. We highly encourage it, and we have a laptop or two at the meeting for this purpose. We also hand out a purchase list and a uniform diagram and kind of go over it kind of quickly. Most of my families are returning, so they're sort of familiar with the pieces at this point, but it's a good chance to just address what goes where and what stuff you provide and what they're responsible for buying and addressing it like that kind of puts it at the front of their mind that there is a diagram and it is an actual uniform. It's not like an article of clothing where they're free to express themselves artistically by placing the badges and patches wherever they want. We also go over events and field trips for the year. What's firm and what's tentative? What supplies do we have? What do we need? We like to give a wish list and or a link to an Amazon wish list so that people can purchase things if they want to support the troop. We also go ahead and call it out. Which events are going to require chaperones? Which events are going to require a carpool? Is there a minimum number of girls who can participate, etc.? And then we also talk about themes, if you will. This is where I sort of get a little GSLE-y with parents. This is what we're focusing on this year using GSLE terminology, and this is why it's important at this age level, et cetera. 
or like with multi-level, this grade is going to be focused on X, Y, and Z this year, and this grade is going to be focused on A, B, and C. This is what's specific to one level, and this is what's going to be open to everyone and why. This is also a really great time to get information from parents and guardians about their girls outside of just permission and health history. So we collect general permission, product program permission, which is good for fall product and cookie sales, as well as the financial responsibility form, which is good all year, and health history for girls and adults right then and there. That way we have it all. And we also do a little form that we create, which I have cleaned up and shared here, that asks a few brief questions about what their girls are going through. Where are their heads at? What things are they dealing with? Is there anything we should know? Last year, we had some feedback through that form that there were girls who particularly were struggling with things like overcoming failure. Um, so like feeling defeated and giving up rather than persevering and overcoming challenges. So we incorporated that into specific planning to ensure we were tackling that issue. But we also incorporated it subtly into everything like Science experiments in STEM in general helps with that. Outdoor play, both structured and unstructured, help with that, and so on. So yeah, the link to an example of that form is in the show notes. You can download this and use it exactly as it is, or you can just use it as inspiration and create your own. Now, when do you hold a parents' meeting? We've done it both during regular troop meeting and dividing and conquering. So there are volunteers holding down the fort with the girls and then a volunteer who handles the parents' meeting in a separate room on site. But we've also done it totally separately. So we meet every other week and we did it on an off night this past year, but like the same day of the week, the same time, same place. And everyone said they were going to come and then only about a third of them or maybe just less than half actually came in person. So it's definitely more successful if you can do it at the same time as a regular troop meeting, but then you need more help running the meetings probably, which is just an annoying thing to overcome. What we did when so many people couldn't come last minute because of back to school colds and so on was we actually also broadcasted it as a Facebook live video at the same time as we were doing it in person and someone was just in charge of specifically posting the documents or photos of the documents or whatever as we referenced them to the group. That helped, and even if people weren't available to watch it live, they could watch the replay. We do have a sign-up sheet right then and there too to get people to express interest in chaperoning or helping with carpool, and we also have a sign-up sheet for snack because we usually do snack, but we don't buy it ourselves. We rotate through each girl and have them bring snack. So this is a really good time to do a parent and guardian meeting at the very beginning of the year. This is a good way to build retention, involvement, buy-in, and a general understanding of Girl Scouts, what your troop does, and why it matters. Hopefully the kind of things you're learning from this podcast. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Facebook Live for a second. This obviously requires having a Facebook account and run a troop Facebook group. You can broadcast live directly to the group and people can join in at any time, just like walking into the room or they can watch the replay after it's over and they can comment and stuff so they can interact with you in almost real time. It's slightly delayed, but it's really close. So if they have questions or wanna volunteer for things, you can get them to do it that way. Facebook Live is so helpful for reminders too because it is bumped to the top of people's feeds. Facebook wants to encourage you to do live videos so they will make sure people see it more often. That's actually good to know in general. Text posts on their own are seen and promoted by Facebook the least. Then photos are significantly better, so include a photo of some kind as much as you can at the bare minimum. Videos are seen even more than photos, so even if you record one ahead of time or use a GIF or a GIF or however you pronounce it, but live videos are the best, just absolutely the most engaging people will be more likely to watch it and interact with it. So if you just need to do reminders or share things, do a live video to your Facebook group for your troop as much as possible. Now, if you don't have a Facebook group, this tip still applies even in your personal life. People are gonna see your posts more, by the way, if you do photo or video. But if you don't have a group for your troop, <laughs> a group for your troop, then it doesn't really matter for the sake of this podcast episode. Okay. So if you don't have Facebook, you can still record the meeting and put it on YouTube as an unlisted video, which means people can't find it by searching. They have to have the direct link to see it. And then you can email or text that out to parents to watch it if they couldn't make it in person. 
they're less likely to watch it on YouTube than if it was on Facebook Live, but they're more likely to watch it on YouTube if it's there than if you don't record it at all, obviously. So every little bit helps. Now, for events, I do a Google Calendar, which is shareable, and I also put them on Facebook in the group on the calendar there, and I also email them out. Sometimes I even make little flyers for events and send them home with the girls from troop meetings. We've talked quite a bit about Google Calendar on other episodes, but I do love it because you can color code sections and then you can share specific colors with specific audiences, or you can just invite people to the calendar invite and they'll receive it to their email and you can see who RSVPs that way. And it's the same idea with Facebook. You can control who you invite from the group, either everyone or specific parents. So you can go through and pick out just your cadet parents or just your brownie parents if you have multi-level troop, or you can just invite the whole group. And then I also write emails, and usually I do an email introducing the event is going to happen, and here's the RSVP deadline, which, by the way, is always at least five days earlier than I actually need RSVPs. And then I do a follow-up, like, one week later, one week later, and then I do a follow-up, like, one week out. Sometimes that's the same time, one week later from the initial introduction and one week out from the deadline. Um, that might be the same time. It just depends on the event. And then I do a follow-up the day before my deadline, and then I do a follow-up the day of my deadline. I like to schedule these all at once, so I include a line in the email that says, these emails are pre-scheduled reminders, so if you've already RSVP'd, thank you, just so I don't get on too many people's nerves. But I don't have to remember to go in and email those out on specific days. For troop meetings, I schedule meeting reminders a few days before. So we meet every other Tuesday, so I schedule one usually the Friday before and then also the Monday before. And sometimes I also do it the day of if it's a really important one. But honestly, we get really good attendance at meetings, so I don't require RSVPs for troop meetings or anything just because it hasn't been an issue. If you do snack and if you did a snack sign up for rotation at the parents meeting at the beginning of the year, you can go ahead and schedule email reminders to people who signed up for snack too. If so-and-so signed up to bring snack on the 20th, schedule like the 17th and the 19th and just put an email to that person saying, friendly reminder, we have you down as bringing snack on the 20th at X time at Y location. Here are some healthy suggestions that are affordable and accessible. And this is how many girls we expect to have. I also like to remind them that this is not a time to provide a meal or dinner to the girls, but just a snack to hold them over. I did have someone buy pizzas once, and even though the girls went crazy for it, I was like, oh, sheesh, this is a little excessive. So that's why I got as specific as I am now. Leading up to events that require carpools and chaperones, I also send out reminders to parents who express they might be willing to do carpool or chaperone for that event as well, and just check in that they're still available and planning to come. I keep track of my RSVPs in my carpool on Google Spreadsheets, and I share those with the other troop leaders. I used to collect RSVPs through Google Forms, which is free and super easy, but honestly, at this point, there are so many ways for parents to tell me, text me, Facebook, Google Calendar, reply to my email, and so on, that there's just no reason for me to create a form every time now. But if you have a massive troop or something, it might be nice to be organized in a way that you collect RSVPs only one specific way. <laughs> now. When my event RSVP date comes, because like I said, I set that about five days before I actually need them, I look at the list. If there are specific people I haven't heard from, I text them. There are exceptions. If I don't have enough carpool drivers to take the girls I haven't heard from, I'll let the deadline pass and they missed it. Too bad for them. But if there aren't a lot of girls going, I do really try to push it, especially if there's a minimum in order to participate. And I'll be honest about that. Like, we only have four girls registered, but we have to have eight, so I need four more or we're going to have to cancel. This is also true if I don't have enough drivers. We have eight girls registered, but I only have enough carpool drivers for six of them, so I absolutely need to have another carpool driver or we will have to cancel. And once again, this is the most effective if you target specific people. So you might say like, hey, Donna, since you've driven as part of carpool before, I wanted to check in with you about Saturday. We have eight girls registered, but only enough drivers to take six of them. So if I can't get another driver, we'll have to cancel the whole event. Are you by any chance available to help us out? We're meeting at 10 a.m. at the park and then see what happens. 
All right, cookies. So for new girls, we do a parent or guardian meeting where we go over everything, how the whole thing works, what to expect, why it matters, what girls get out of it, and how to sell cookies, and so on. We also take initial orders at that meeting. So I have three packages that I sort of sell to parents or guardians. They can order any number of boxes by flavor for their initial order, but many parents appreciate having a starting point. Um, oh, I should mention, we do not do pre-orders in our council. So there is no like going around with the order form taking orders. That obviously gives girls a good starting point for an initial order, but if you don't have pre-orders, then you just have to pick or ask. Since parents are taking on the financial liability, you cannot require them to take a certain amount of packages to sell. So you really need to get their approval on what number you're planning on ordering for them. So for returning troops, this is where tracking all the numbers you possibly can, like we talked about in the previous episode, is most helpful. I do try to download the info by girl. So like, how many total did she sell by flavor? How many of those were booths? How many were friends and family? And so on. What was her initial order and how many did she pick up after that? Because her parents probably didn't track that, just being honest. So they're going to ask you. It's easier to just have it in a spreadsheet. And also you can compare year over year that way. Like this little one sold more at booths last year than this year. So that's why her overall total went down or whoa, this girl really sells a ton to friends and family, that's good to know. Or like this girl's friends and family particularly like Thin Mints because she sold like 50% of all of her friends and family orders were Thin Mints. But that does take a little bit of sitting and tracking because at least in eBuddy, it does not conveniently export that kind of data, which is actually really annoying. But that's a good thing for you to do over the summer, like if your troop doesn't meet over the summer, because um, you can just, take some time to track all the things and set up all the spreadsheets. Anyway, back to initial orders. I like to give them three different packages to choose from, and I call them the light start, the recommended, and the ambitious. And I have a little sheet where I just break it down for them, like a light start includes, you know, this many of each by flavor, because parents don't necessarily know that we sell the most Thin Mints and Samoas, but not the other flavors. Um, they don't necessarily know what ratios they want to pick up in. And for Light Start, I usually don't include like the gluten-free cookie and very minimal like specialty cookies, anything that's like an extra dollar. I usually either don't include or very, very minimally, minimally include. So that way they're really just taking like a pretty bare minimum. And I think the Light Start is... I mean, I don't even want to give you numbers because I feel like it's just so different, wildly, wildly different, depending on where you are, um, that I don't think numbers are even necessarily good. What you're going to want to do is you're going to want to check out your per girl average and compare it to your council's per girl average. Get an idea of where you stand um, typically with your troop. If you're a newer troop and you've never sold before, you just want to find out your council's per girl average and maybe even specifically like in your service unit, does your service unit have a per girl average or your community or whatever you call it, your local area? Because like in my council, we have um, a council per girl average, but we also have some city girls and some super remote girls. And they're just going to have really wildly different numbers. So depending on where your troop is located, even within your council, it might be really different. If you're in a really heavily saturated Girl Scout area or a really low populated area, then that's obviously going to impact your per girl average. So anyway, all of that aside, I look at per girl average. You also probably want to ask some questions of other troops in your area, like your community or your service unit, if they know what percentage of those are booths and what percentage are friends and family sales. And that'll give you an idea of like what your realistic numbers could be. If you have the ability to track this for all of your girls in your own troop, then you're going to be able to determine what those numbers should be yourself for your specific troop based on past experience. And I like to set it pretty low. So if I anticipate that girls are going to sell an average, I think like, again, I hate, I hesitate to give you actual numbers, but I think if my light start is circa like 50 some packages and um, some girls like 
that's pretty much all they're going to sell. They're not really going to participate in booths or maybe they'll do one booth and that's how they're going to get to their total number of cookies. Other girls are going to um, sell even less than that to their friends and family. And so generally speaking at this point, I know that most of my families are going to start with the light start and come back and order more. So with initial orders, I give them the light start package, which I feel very confident they can accomplish. And so by calling it the light start, they're going to feel super confident that they can accomplish that. And then um, some people have a gluten-free family member, so they tack on extra gluten-free to that package. So they're going to say, I want the light start, but I want to add six more gluten-free um, packages to it. Or maybe they are like, okay, I want the light start, but um, I actually don't want any s'mores because we had a lot of trouble selling them last year or whatever. So they can adjust the package. The package is just giving them like a starting number so they know what to order by flavor. Um, I also tend to do my, my pre-packaged options. I tend to do by case or half case. So it'd be like, you know, 12 Thin Mints, 12 Samoas, or Caramel Delights, because that way it, I'm giving them a whole case. That's just going to be easier on me. <laughs> so um, anyways, that just gives you like some ideas of where to go with that. So I have a light start, I have a recommended, and I have an ambitious. The recommended is what I pretty much anticipate most of the girls in my troop are going to sell to friends and family total. So if they were to get that, they probably wouldn't come back for more flavors. I do have some girls now that their families are more confident, and they'll go with the recommended at this point. Um, but then they also know that up to a certain date, they can switch out flavors with me. So I allow them to switch to swap packages with me. So as they start to get low, if they have, like, a bunch of dosey dos left, but they need actually more likely they have a bunch of trefoils or shortbreads left, but they um, need, you know, thin mints or something like that. They they can swap it out with me. I do have a cutoff date for that where I won't allow them to do that anymore, just because it's harder for me to be able to make swaps um, or to ensure that I can sell the inventory as it gets closer to the end of the sale. So I always give them a cutoff date of when I'll be able to accept any inventory as a return, but. With that being said, um, I initial order, I give them these prepackaged deals and, or not ideal because it costs the same, but like give them the prepackaged uh, options and I tell them what their financial liability would be if they choose that. This is how much you can anticipate you're going to have to turn in. Just so that gives them an idea. I think that's just good communication. It's very transparent. It's very fair. And I do have families who want to take very few at a time and they're well one family in particular and that girl does not tend to have high sales and it just is what it is some people build their own packages so they don't necessarily um use my prepackaged options they like give me a breakdown by flavor which is totally fine i'm i'm happy to do that um but a lot of people will realize, oh, I never sent my initial order to you. Like, just do a light start for me. And anybody who doesn't actually get back to me, I do just order them a light start, unless it's that one family that I was talking about that I know that girl tends to sell less. Um, I also know one family in particular tends to do more gluten-free than others. So that's one that I kind of give her some, some gluten-free on top of my normal, like, light start. But generally speaking, I um, assume that it's going to be light start. For now, because I'm really talking about communication, not sales strategy or how to manage your cookie season or anything like that. We can certainly talk more about my actual strategies like during cookie season and working with families on selling friends and family cookies or how much you should actually order and how do you determine that when you go to place your actual initial order. That's a whole other conversation. Really what I'm trying to accomplish in this whole episode is about your communication with parents. How do you communicate with parents? And effectively and productively. And so in this specific case, how am I communicating with parents about their initial cookie order? And so I give them a form to fill out and I give them these prepackaged choices to at least use as a starting point. 
and I tell them well in advance of when I actually need it. So our troops initial order is usually due to our council in early December because our season starts in mid to end January. Again, no pre-orders in my council. So if I need to turn in numbers in early December, I start telling my families that I need their initial orders by the end of November or very early December, like a week before I actually need it. Um, once again, some of them are going to be late and some I'll have to chase down. So I start telling them about this at the beginning of November, like around the time that we have cookie training, I start telling my parents, you are going to need to turn in your initial orders to me by the end of November, say, I'll give them a specific date. And, um, I need you to turn this in by this date. Here's my recommendations. Fill out this form to tell me what you need. Some people aren't going to fill the form out at all. They're just going to reply light start. And other people are going to fill out the form. I try to give people the forms in person. Like, that's the easiest way is, like, Shanghai people when they're dropping girls off or whatever and get them to go ahead and fill out the form real quick with the um, prepackaged deals. Um, I keep calling it a deal. With the prepackaged options listed right there um but i'll also ask people over email and i do send email reminders as it gets closer um so what do you do for girls whose families don't send an initial order at all i mentioned this always happens um since i especially since we stopped doing like a cookie meeting every year for every parent it was definitely a lot easier when i had them there in person it's harder when you can't wrangle them all together like that so like i said i tried to do it um before a meeting like at or after meeting at parent pickup or drop off, but it was definitely easier at cookie meetings. And since they specifically said cookie, no more cookie meetings, they're repetitive year after year, um, that just kind of limits me a little bit. So some leaders, once again, will have the too bad, so sad mentality and just say, you can pick up cookies after the fact, you missed the deadline. I'm just gonna tell you that does not work for me because you know who that inconveniences the most? Me. So I, like I said, I plan on my light start option for anyone who doesn't send me um, an actual initial order. And uh, yeah, and then I just kind of modify a little bit for specific girls based on what I know from past experience. I also personally put together a spreadsheet um, where I collect the initial orders as they come in. And I'm going to include this in the show notes for you if I think it's just a good way to track stuff I, I don't know if you'll use it but um it's what I use to build my initial order that I'm eventually going to send to council I actually I don't submit the spreadsheet or anything because I actually have to do my order through eBuddy but it's just a place for me to track and actually it's really nice because for me personally I have a tab for every year so I have like my 2016 2017 2018 2019 cookie initial orders all on different tabs in one um, Google Doc. And that way, I just look that up year over year, and I can see what we've ordered in past years and go ahead and build out my initial order by girl, including my booth cookies on there. So I've included that in the show notes. Um, okay, I also try to figure out booth cookies from the initial orders, which is only hard because there haven't been any booth rounds yet, or maybe there's only been one or two at the point of placing my troops initial order. So I don't even know how many good, strong booths we're going to get to do, but my council requests that you order about 80% of what you plan to sell in total for the wholesale upfront. So that's what I'm trying to calculate based on previous sales, based on how many girls we have, based on their goals, based on their initial orders compared to last year and so on. And usually I round up or down based on ordering a, an initial troop order in full cases because I have to do full cases. So um, my spreadsheet helped me calculate what I need, um, what I need to, to round up or down in booth cookies in order to make those cases full cases for my troop order. Again, I don't want to spend too much, I feel like I already spent too much time on this for this specific episode because this is really not about like cookie strategy. It's about planning for the year. I do think it's relevant because this has to do with how do you plan your year, but it's not necessarily stuff you do now other than the fact that you probably want to um, 
be doing your tracking, preparing your different spreadsheets and documents and stuff like that. And if you're using a tool to schedule out communication, you can go ahead and schedule that. Like I could, well, little brownies getting a new lemon flavor because they're retiring Savannah's. So I actually can't, but once we know what their new flavor is going to be, and I'm assuming it's going to be lemon. That's the rumors that I've heard. I really don't know, but they're getting a new flavor to replace the Savannah smile. And once I know what that flavor is, I could set up these forms for my parents and um, the prepackaged deals, um, <laughs> the prepackaged options, and the light start recommended and, and ambitious um, inventory options for the initial order. And I could go ahead and schedule my email reminders to go out. Like I said, I know my initial order is going to be due circa the beginning of December, so I could schedule start throughout November for this email to go out to parents stating what the options are for initial order. And then I don't even have to remember to ask them because it's automatically going to go out. So that's like one way I could plan ahead. Now, during the year, there are all kinds of things that I post on Facebook that don't go out any other way. I share pictures, and videos there, which I don't currently share any other way, except occasionally a like check in, look mom, she's doing great photo via text message. I also put extra reminders, tons of files and forms and such for reference. I share things about Girl Scouts in general, like articles or blog posts related to Girl Scouts. I share things about positive parenting or growth mindset for kids and so on. I can post a zillion and two reminders because they're easy to schedule. So there are usually extra reminders on Facebook than there are via email. I go live sometimes, like I do a live video just for fun. Like when I pick up our troop order in the past, I would fill up my SUV to the brim, but now we have a big enough initial order. I actually rent a moving van. So I'll go live on Facebook to show off all our cookies in like a U-Haul truck and just give parents a behind the scenes look and so on. Sometimes I go live from an event if I like get there early and I'm waiting for drop off and it looks really fun and exciting in the background. And the last thing I want to talk about is our end of year parents meeting. So we do this generally the same way as the first one, which is a live face to face option. And then we also go live on Facebook. We don't generally advertise that you can just watch it on Facebook because we want people to come in person. And it works better if you do it on the same day or night as a regular troop meeting. But that can just be really hard because then you might need extra help to run the troop meeting. So. At the end of the year parents meeting, we do discussion about what we accomplished this year and what we're super proud of. And this is, again, an opportunity to build buy-in and retention, like reiterate how many badges did you earn? Did anyone earn a high award? How many cookies did we sell? How does that compare to last year or previous years in general? How much money do we have for the budget next year if we are allowed to carry over a balance, which just depends on your council. And then we also talk about what our goals are for next year. We hope to X, Y, and Z. And if we've already started our year plan, then we can tease some things. But if not, then you just talk about the things that you've already talked about with the girls. Um, also, we ask who is coming back for sure, because we do early registration for extra incentives in our council. So our troop re-registers girls and then parents reimburse us for the $25 to register for GSUSA membership. So we ask people to confirm that their girls are coming back or not. Although if not, usually they don't come to an end of year parents meeting because they're kind of checked out. So anyway, sometimes people will tell you they aren't sure. And if they're feeling unsure, then a parents meeting can be a really good opportunity for you to talk about all the great things the girls are getting out of the program and what we're working toward and have to look forward to in the future because that encourages them to stay. It's like a sales pitch for a product that sells itself. We also mention whether or not we are accepting additional girls next year so they can start having those conversations with other parents and then putting you in touch with them. And finally, we do feedback. So I ask for feedback on a survey from parents directly at the parents meeting. So they do it in person on paper and hand it back to me. And if they can't make it, I try to hand it to them to get them to fill it out at pick up or drop off at a troop meeting toward the end of the year because I get the best results from physical paper surveys. We have done them online before, and this year we actually had to do them online again because of scheduling conflicts that meant our end of year parents meeting was only done online. But 
Lots of people do not fill out online surveys, so I don't usually have good luck getting responses on those. This year we have just under half of parents filled it out, and last year every single parent filled one out, so that's just a bummer. And let me just be clear about this because this is a very hot button issue. Of course, we also ask for feedback from girls. We ask for feedback from girls all the time, as well as at the end of the year. But we ask for feedback from parents too, and here's why it matters. Because the parent's perception of the program is completely the most impactful determining factor for whether or not girls stay in year over year, whether or not girls stay in long term, how involved the girl is, how involved the adults are to help, and so on. So what the heck do you actually ask on a parent survey to get like actual productive results? And this is a good question for surveys in general. How do we collect information that is actually useful? So I have two main tips. Number one, no or very few open-ended questions. If you just ask an open-ended question like, what can we do better? Or do you have suggestions for improvements? Then let me tell you, people will tell you what you can do better and they will give you lots of suggestions and mostly they will use it as an opportunity to complain. That doesn't actually even mean they were unhappy with the troop or with you, but people love to complain, especially when they're asked for feedback. And really, when you write a question like that, you are looking for criticism because if everyone just wrote, this is the best Girl Scouts could ever possibly be and we are so thrilled and we love you just the way you are, then it would feel good, but it wouldn't actually be helpful. And then what's the point in asking? So if what you're seeking is appreciation or validation, then a survey is not the way to do it, especially with open-ended questions. But just in general, a survey is not meant for validation or appreciation. It's meant for feedback. So just avoid, avoid, avoid open-ended questions. They aren't helpful or productive and the answers feel bad and awful and icky and they make you wanna do less for Girl Scouts, not more. Plus, it makes the people filling out the survey feel bad about it, too, because they're thinking about what they think should be different instead of what they appreciate, you know? Tip number two, keep it measurable. So as often as possible, do multiple choice or sliding scale options where you can track responses and look for trends. I like sliding scale options a lot. On a scale of one to five, one being the least and five being the most and zero being completely irrelevant, how well do you feel like you've gotten to know the troop leaders? On a scale of one to five, one being completely disagree and five being completely agree, do you think the other girls in the troop are good influences? On a scale of one to five, did Girl Scouts meet your expectations in quality of programming, frequency of programming, etc.? True or false questions are also good. True or false, you saw an improvement in your girl's confidence this year. True or false, you think Girl Scouts provides an opportunity for your girl to make or develop deep, meaningful friendships, and so on. You're going to be able to track these answers and look for trends and statistics, and also you can compare year over year. This will also tell you what to focus on next year, like if the parents didn't think really any of the girls developed deeper friendships and that's important to you, then you can focus on bonding and team building next year. Other questions I like to ask are about how often people think the troop should meet, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, once a quarter. My troop has been together for a few years now, so almost always they say what we already do. But as the girls get older, it's important to keep asking because if they start to say once a month or once a quarter, it means the girls and families are busier and they can't make it to Girl Scouts as frequently anymore. So that's important to know. Just because one or two people say monthly does not mean we're actually gonna change to monthly meetings, but I wanna be able to track the trends and also I wanna have reasonable expectations of attendance. And I can keep that in mind when communicating too. So like many of you expressed that you are interested in switching to monthly meetings instead of bi-weekly. We still have many girls who do wanna do bi-weekly. So what I will do is try to give you as much notice as possible of what our plans are for each meeting. And you and your girl can determine when you're able to make it. Please know she is always welcome and will take as much of her as we can get, but also understand that growing girls have many opportunities and priorities to juggle. I also like to ask things to gauge parents' perception of Girl Scouts as a whole. Do they think Girl Scouts make a difference in their communities? Do they think Girl Scouts is important for girls in elementary school, middle school, high school? 
how long do they envision their girl is going to stay in Girl Scouts, assuming that she wants to? Through third grade, fifth grade, eighth grade, 12th grade? Don't know. I also like to ask things like, why did you originally sign your girl up for Girl Scouts? Check all that apply. And then like list the outdoors and camping skills, community service, friendship, sense of belonging, confidence, selling cookies, religious opportunities, college scholarships, etc. I also like to do something similar, like what kinds of activities or skills would you like to see girls work on in the next year? Check all that apply and list some GSLE buzzwords or badge categories. Okay, so you've guessed it. I've included my surveys for you to download. I have a start, stop, keep sheet that we use for both girls and adults. This is the only open-ended one that we do. I also included last year's survey, so it's from 2018, and I included the survey that we just shared with our troop for 2019. You can use any of them as is, or you can use them as inspiration to create your own. All right, I hope this helps. I sure had a lot to say on this topic. Once again, somehow I thought this was going to be a short episode, and here we are, because I actually had a lot of things I wanted to say. Don't forget to check the show notes, because I have tons of links and goodies in there for you to download, and please share this if you thought it was helpful or if you think it might help any other troop leaders out there struggling with communication and year planning. I do have season two of troop leader interviews that I can't wait to start turning out for you. So that will hopefully come this summer. And I also have lots more Girl Scout phraseology and tons more Girl Scout research to share with you as well. Between the end of the year for my own troop and some huge work commitments the past few weeks, I have just been like treading water. So I know the episodes have gotten quite a bit more sparse, but I will be ramping them back up here again soon. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. And if you want to stay connected, come find me on Facebook. We have a page and a group, and you can find the link to them at www.girlscoutpodcast.com. If you want to collaborate with me or come be part of the podcast, please shoot me an email at girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can so we can get something set up. I would love to have you or your girls on. I hope you all have had a super Girl Scout year, and I hope this is all helpful for planning next year. I know I personally can't wait to have a little more time to devote to completing these year planning steps myself for next year. We have started, but it's just enough to get me super excited, and I haven't had a chance to truly dive into the brainstorming research phases as much as I'd like, but I know we're going to have just an incredible year next year. And if you meet all summer long with no breaks year-round, then God bless you and have an exciting, adventure-filled summer. That's all for today's episode. We want to tell your story, too. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, check us out at www.girlscoutpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. This podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by GSUSA. It is completely run by volunteers and girls. Follow us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.girlscoutpodcast.com.